August 11th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Tzaditet Amud Bet. If you count from the bottom of the line up, it's just two lines up in the middle of the line. The Gemara is dealing with what's the definition of a apikores or apikoros. Uh, the Gemara had some sort of definition of a person who's mivazet hachamim, a person who's shameful to uh, Torah scholars, but the Gemara is looking for specifics, circumstances. So, for example, says the Gemara, We saw this yesterday, a person who's sitting and studying in front of their rabbi. And a uh, issue comes up from another place. In other words, uh, a halakha that was learned in a different context uh, comes up in the context of this study. Ve'amar, uh, and as a result, the student says in front of their rabbi, "Hache amrinan hatam," like this, they say over there. Instead of saying, "Vela amar hache amar mor," instead of saying, "This is what the master said." In other words, instead of speaking respectfully, this is what my master, my teacher, my mentor set forth. That so this is what they say elsewhere is disrespectful, says the Gemara, with regards to a person speaking that way, and as a result, we envision that as an apikoros. Uh, Rava Amar, Rava gives a different example. Kigon hane deve binyamin asya. For example, the people of the household of Binyamin, the doctor. Apparently, these people, although they were scrupulous with regards to following halakha, their treatment of the Torah scholars of the rabbinic law was uh, left uh, some to be desired. Says the Gemara de Amre, what they used to say, Ravad described the household of Binyamin Asya, this Binyamin, Benjamin the doctor, May Ahanilan Rabbanan, what do the rabbis, what have the rabbis helped us with? They've never permitted for us a crow to eat, they've never forbade for us a dove to eat. In other words, what they were expressing, what they were describing was, we could derive all these laws that they bring forth and they uh, expound upon from the Torah. The Torah says you can eat a yonah, the Torah says that you can't eat an orev. What have they done? They haven't been uh, courageous. They haven't been revolutionary in changing or setting forth different halakha. Tells the Gemara a short story. As a result of this, Rava realizing how the, they would mock the rabbis in the household of Binyamin Asya. Rava ki havu mayete terefata debe Binyamin kameh. Uh, Rava, when they would bring animals to check whether it's taref or not. Taref is when an animal uh, has within it an illness or a, a blemish which will cause its uh, imminent death. And as a result, although it looks maybe healthy, although uh, you've slaughtered it appropriately, it's still not kosher. You need to check the uh, vital organs according to halakha with regards to whether it's considered a taref or not. You would turn to a person who's proficient in the laws of terefot in order to do so. So when the household of Binyamin Asya would come in front of Rava and ask him to check whether their animal was a terefa or not, ki ba when he would find a reason, even though it looked like it might be taref, but he found a reason to say it's kosher, amar lehu, he would say to them, tehezu, pay attention, look at this, dekasharina with a big smile on his face, I imagine, he would say to them, look, I'm permitting to you a uh, raven. In other words, it appears as if this is not permitted. It appears as if all you knew was the law of the Torah. You'd look at this animal, you don't know the ins and outs, you don't know the loopholes. You'd say this is for sure forbidden. Look, that's what you need me for. Even when he was going to forbid something to them, he would see in it that there's a reason to say that it's asur, it's prohibited from eating, it's taref. 
Amar lehu, he would say to them again, Look, this looks like a dove. It looks as if it's permitted. I'm making this asur to you. In other words, with a smile I'd imagine on his face, Rava would try to set them straight. I know you guys speak wrongfully about me and my people. You say that we don't really do all that much. Look, every time you bring one of these sorts of situations to me, we're actually affecting something significant. Rav Papa uh, suggested a different type of disrespectful speech or demeanor to Tamide Hachamim to consider it a apikoros. Amar kegon de Amar Hane Rabbanan Kegon uh, de Amar, quote unquote, Haner Rabbanan. It's uh, for the types of people who talk about the rabbis and they say, these rabbis, or those rabbis rather. Instead of saying, Rabbanan b'makom ploni, says Rashi. Instead of saying the rabbis, Rabotenu, the rabbis from this place, from that locale, they say, these rabbis, those rabbis, says the Gemara Rav Papa, Ishtele. Rav Papa, who's the same person who said, that's disrespectful to talk about the rabbis, those rabbis, he once forgot the Amar, and as he was in conversation, or maybe even in study, he said, he used those very same words, that very disrespectful way of referring to the scholars as those rabbis. And he, had, he felt the severity of that wrongdoing to the extent that he sat and he, uh, and he fasted as a result of it in order to repent for his wrongdoing. This is where all the sachar comes in if you show up today. Levi, yeah, I know. Well, you could, you know, yeah. we, we could, we could, so, you know, empty out the water on my clothing after the class. Levi Bar Shemuel Veravuna Bar were on the Aleph, about nine lines from the top. Havu matpechot sifre Yehuda. The Gemara says that these two rabbis, Rav Huna Bar and Levi Bar Shemuel, they would uh, set forth, they would fix the matpechot, a mitpachat as a handkerchief or a kerchief of the uh, sifarim, the sifre kodesh of the Beit Midrash of Rav Yehuda. You see, the way it used to work, the, the Gemara, the Mishnah, Masechet, Megillah, and Davzayin describes how uh, the rabbis decreed that if you're using sifre kodesh, if you're using parchment with, uh, with ketav on it that has uh, sifarim from Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketubim, it's mitameta yadaim. Rabbinically speaking, you get a certain contamination by handling them. The reason the rabbis did so is because that people used to put their teruma next to their sifre Torah and their Nevi'im and Ketubim. Why would you do that? All of it needs to be kept b'tahara. You'd keep them together. However, rats and mice are interested not so much in parchment, but in teruma food. And as a result, rats and mice would be pre- prevalent, would be around the sifre Kodesh. The fear in turn of the rabbis is you're going to be handling and you're going to be actually tameh because you touched one of those rodents. As a result, the decree was, the, the takanam, the gezerah midrabbanam was, that sifre Kodesh are mitameim etayadayim. As a result of that, they would make these handkerchiefs in order to protect the parchment so that nobody touched it directly to keep away from this uh, potential tumah. Anyway, says the Gemara in telling what happened as a result of their tikkun of these matpechot, ki matu migilat ester, when they got up to migilat ester. Keep in mind, today, maybe in our synagogues, all we have is parchment of Sifre Torah, Hamisha Chumshe Torah. In other places, especially once upon a time when you didn't have a print press, so you had it for all of Tanakh. So when they got up to Migilat Esther, now the Migilat Esther has a particular debate about whether it was written or whether it was prophesied and passed over to Mordechai and Esther in order to be written down or not. It's, generally speaking, we assume it's written Beruah HaKodesh, that's the, that's the assumption from the Hachamim. 
However, the question is whether it was nitan likatev or not. If it wasn't nitan likatev, maybe it's not metamete yadai. Maybe it has a different stature and status. So that's what they're handling. They're dealing with all the sefarim from Torah, Nebim, Ketubim. They get up to Megillat Esther, Amre, and they said, Ham Megillat Esther laba'e mitpahat. Uh, so they exclaim to Rav Yehuda in his Beit Midrash, Megillat Esther doesn't need a mitpacha, doesn't need that kerchief. Now instead of posing it as a question, instead of asking this in somewhat of a more respectful way, they were, they were a little too brazen, they were a little too courageous with their statement without putting a, a clear question mark at the end of their sentence. They made clear their position on this. It's more halacha bifnei rabo, but more than anything, it's speech in a way that's a little too confident in the context of someone who's wiser and more knowledgeable. Amar lehu, the response of Rav Yehuda to them is, ki hai gavna, this type of speech, na ki apikurata, it also sounds like uh, um, what we call apikoros, speech of um, people who are being shameful to Torah scholars. Rav Nachman Amar, Rav Nachman gives a different example. All right, so we had lots of examples, not necessarily disputing one another, giving different vantage points and different prevalent circumstances where people would speak wrongfully and act inappropriately in front of Tamideh Hachamim. Rabo Bishmo. It's a person who refers to his rabbi by his name. Now, there's a very important perush uh, rashi on the Gemara over here, which is mentioned lahalacha in Yoredea Siman Resh Membet, Shohanaruchis Posek lahalacha, this law, that you're not allowed to refer to your rabbi by his name. And Ramar, uh, B. Moshe Israelis, points out, however, if you say before their name, Rabbi, my rabbi or rabbi, that's permitted. It comes from Rashi. If you look on the right hand side, basically right across from this line, a little bit up, it says, Bishmo, Sheomer Peloni, Veeno Omer Moribi Peloni. In other words, instead of saying Rabbi uh, Yosef, you just say Yosef. That's what's inappropriate. But it's not that by mentioning their first name or their last name, that's inappropriate. That's permitted. To say Rabbi Yosef, to say Rabbi Baruch, to say Rabbi Shaul, all that's permitted. The issue is when you just say Yosef, Shaul, and uh, Baruch, that's what the Gemara is referring to. It's an important note of Rashi over here, because elsewhere where the Gemara does have such reference, uh, I've seen more than once the Mefashim get confused about this, and then ultimately speaking, resolve it with these words of Rashi. Um, the, do they differentiate between a rabbi who has simicha and a rabbi who doesn't have simicha? That's an Im- important question. Um, what they generally distinguish in this context between is what we call Rav Muvhak and non-Rav Muvhak. And Rav Muvhak means that you learned Rav Chochmato from him, which in today's day and age we assume is not a, not a reality. You assume there was a reality before we had books. Before we had books, you would have a primary teacher who would bring you through life. He would teach you Aleph Bet and maybe teach you through life, Rav Muvhak. Today, hard to find that unless we assume that the, that the way that you think was gleaned from that person is also considered Rav Muvhak. Aside from that, no, because the mention of Rav, you see, even in the time of the Gemara, it was not so much that you had, keep in mind this different levels of the Simicha, as we learned earlier in the Masechet. Simicha, Simicha, with a capital S or Samech, was when you had this tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu, which was lost already at a specific point, and they had it in Eretz Yisrael continued, not in Bavir. 
But then you might talk about ordination. No, not per se, because the Gemara is not that they're aware of such a concept. They talk about yore, yore, and yadin, yadin, but they're willing to call someone if you're their teacher, rabbi, in such a circumstance, just like in today's day and age. Says the Gemara onward, um, after all, we have a similar statement with regards to the severity of just referring to your mentor, your teacher, by their first name. Gehazi. Uh, why was Gehazi? See, Gehazi was the helper of Elisha. Elisha, of course, being a prophet. Why was he punished? He had a, a terrible punishment. Because you referred to Elisha by his first name. Right, Gehazi is expressing to uh, the king at the time, to, to the Melech Aram, he refers just, just like that to Elisha as Elisha instead of Mori, instead of Rabbi, instead of some sort, Adoni, Elisha. And keep in mind, Elisha didn't have Semicha, uh, I mean, he was, he was wiser than, than those who do. Right. But anyway, says the Gemara onward, Yativ Rabbi Yirmiya Kameh Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Yirmiya was sitting in front of, which means he was studying from Rabbi Zera, Viativ Vika'amar, and he was sitting and he was saying, there's Mahlok amongst the Mefashim about who's saying what, but we're going to assume for the time, for our reading of it, that Rabbi Yirmiya is the one who's teaching. After all, Rabbi Yirmiya is teaching, excuse me, Rabbi Zera is the one who's teaching, Rabbi Zera is the one who's saying as a result, uh, and uh, Rabbi Zera is listening, and uh, what's his name? And Rabbi Yirmiya is listening. In the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will spring forth a, a river from the Kodesh HaKodeshim, from the inner chamber of the Mikdash, the Alav, and along that river, Kol Mineh Megadim, all sorts of delicious, good-tasting fruit. Shine Emar, as the Pasuk prophesies in Yehezkel, Ve'al Hanachal Ya'ale Sefato Mizeh Mizeh, Kol Ma'achal, there's going to be all trees of, uh, of consumption, meaning good-tasting fruit trees. Lo yibol alehu, the Pasuk furthermore says, the leaves will not wither, velo yitom pirio, and the fruits will never um, cease. La chodasha, they'll constantly be um, uh, re, uh, what's it called, uh, get, getting uh, ripe, ripening again each month. Yevakir ki memav, because the water min hamikdash hemma yoseim, because the water is coming forth from the Mikdash, from the Holy of Holies, vehaya ma'achal, and the fruits will be for consumption, ve'alehu, and the leaves, litrufa. Interestingly, it says, and the Gemara will return to that to explain perhaps what that means, the leaves will be some sort of therapeutic leaves. You'll be able to use them for medicine. Okay, so he's being Doresh this. Who's being Doresh this? Rabbi Zera, we suggested, is being Doresh this. Amar There's an old man in the crowd listening. Keep in mind, it's Rabbi Yirmiya studying with Rabbi Zera. And as this is being expounded, as this is being taught, there's an old man in the crowd. And he says, Yigyashir, you're straight. As an Ashkenazi would say, Yigyashir kohacha, your strength should be straightened. Yigyashir, you said well, you said right. V'chin, and so too, Amar Biohanan. He brazenly or proudly says, you should know, Rabbi Zera, what you just said, good job. You should know, Rabbi Yohanan said the same thing. A little bit demeaning. I mean, even if Rabbi Yohanan is the Gadol Hador of that generation, or a little bit before, 
little bit, you know, in the context of this rabbi giving his interpretation, that someone speaks up and is giving him the stamp of approval by saying, and so too Rabbi Yohanan said, not clear whether that was appropriate, respectful or not. Amar le Rabbi Rabbi Zera, Rabbi the student, turns to the teacher, Rabbi Zera, and asks him, ki hai gavna afkaruta? He says, that type of speech in this context, was that apikorsut? Was that, uh, was that man uh, liable to punishment of apikoros? Amarle ha, hai kamisaye alach. He says, no, what do you mean? What he was saying was, he was just supporting me. He was giving support to this notion of this river and tributary bringing forth all this. He said, Rabbi Yohanan says it as well, it's my stamp of approval. In other words, he felt no threat and he, he, he uh, considered it, interpreted it in no way as inappropriate and disrespectful. Uh, this short and brief story more than anything depicts for me the contextual sensitivity, which we're all familiar with, with regards to respect. You can say something in one context in one way and it means something and in an altogether different context in a different way, it means something different. And as a result, that's what the Gemara is portraying, I think, more than anything with this story. Whereas the student hears apikorusut, the rabbi hears, no, that was aiding me, he said it very appropriately. He said, if you heard something wrong, this is what you heard wrong. It's similar to that which Rabbi Yohanan was sitting and teaching. It says that uh, the derashah is as follows. HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the future is going to bring forth stones which are 30 amot by 30 amot. 30 amot by 30 amot is a large number. That's 45 feet by 45 feet. Those are huge stones and he's going to chisel them. He's going to make a hole in them. It's going to have a certain depth and a certain height. It's going to be tall and deep. And this is what he's going to erect as the walls, as the gates of Jerusalem. Shine Imar, as the Pasuk says, Vesamti kadkod shimshotaich ushareich leavne ekdah vechol gevulech leavne hefet. You know, the Pasuk speaks specifically about a kadkod, and Rashi explains a kadkod is a very precious stone. It's exactly what Rabbi Yohanan had just said. Avanim tobot, umar galiot, gems and rubies and, and expensive stones are going to uh, adorn or going to make up the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, that's, that's a pretty crazy thing. These huge, imagine it as a diamond, huge diamonds as the gates of Jerusalem with these chiseled-in um, centers uh, seemingly uh, representing windows. And that's what the Pasuk says, Shimshotayich. The Shemesh, the, the vision of seeing the sun, means you see the sun through this, that's going to be the inner, the Kadkod is going to be chiseled out as windows. Ligleg alav oto talmid. There was a student sitting and listening to the Yohanan speak all magically about this future Jerusalem which HaKadosh Baruch Hu will have for us and he makes fun of him. Amar, he said, Hashata now salta la meshkehinan. He said, now we don't find even, uh, I guess it's a stone the size of a egg of a small bird. Tzil uh, Salah says Rashi is a small off and Bi'ata is an egg. 
So we don't find, I don't think it means that we don't find the eggs. I think it means we don't find the stone of that side, of that size. Do you think in the future we're going to find these huge, heavy, and expensive stones? Just pause for a second. Maharal does point out in the context of this Gemara, what's the significance of these being huge stones? Again, it's miraculous. It's amazing. And we're going to have a continued description. Uh, perhaps there's a symbolism beyond that. And that is that in Aharit Yamim, in this Atid time, we always, we mentioned in our prayer every day, it's a time period during which uh, we're going to have kibbutz galiot, during which there's going to be a certain unity of existence, in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is going to shine as one. So the imagery, um, as a result, will match that, that the walls will be built not from many small stones, but singular stones, which will be the bedrock and foundation of the wall. That's existence at that time. The existence and, and, uh, of humanity and of the world in totality will be one in which we feel and experience the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and existence uh, as it is. Says the Gemara onward, uh, so here's the student laughing at him, and keep in mind we're bringing this up in the context of a you're listening to the rabbis derasha and understanding it, and you're laughing at it, and you're making fun of it. It's ridiculous. We don't even have anything close to that. You're imagining, you're, you're daydreaming about this future time. Won't be like that. Liyamim, the Gemara tells this miraculous, crazy story. It happened days later. This student's um, uh, boat was he's going, he's out on the, uh, on the sea, and I guess he loses his way. Or maybe he doesn't lose his way. He bumps into Hazinu the Malachi Hasharit. Bumps into angels. I guess it happens to the, to the best of us. We bump into angels out at sea. He sees what are they doing? They are chiseling or they are cutting off. They're bringing forth fine stones and rubies and, uh, and, and, and gems and emeralds or whatever the specifics of, of these stones are. Amar Lehu asks this student who was making fun of Rabbi Yohanan days beforehand to these beings, I guess, whether he knows they're angels or not, Hane, these, those stones that you're, um, that, that you're bringing, Leman, who are they for? Amre, they respond to him, uh, maybe the word is quarrying, right? Amre, they said to him, You should know these fine stones which we're quarrying, which we're bringing forth, therefore the future construction of the walls of Jerusalem from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When he then finds Rabbi Yohanan, who is Rabbi Yohanan, you know, the story is just a perfect story. The student goes out, he's out on the seas, he's seeing, he's coming back with miraculous things, and he returns back to the pious rabbi who's still sitting there in, I imagine it, the dingy midrash, still teaching the students, the one whom you laughed at and said he's daydreaming, knows nothing about the real world, isn't aware of reality, and there he is, still sitting there. Amar leh, the student turns to him, Rabbi, my master, my teacher, Derosh, continue to make your derashot. As crazy as it seemed to me, as out of touch with reality as I believed you were. After all, I said, we don't even have these bi'ata uh, de silsila. We don't even have those small egg-sized things. 
You had it right. You should continue and you're the appropriate person for being Doresh. <coughs> you're as in touch with reality as it comes. As you said, so I saw. And now you really, if the story's going to end with a beautiful ending, you know, with the sweet and pleasant music as we're playing it, we want the rabbi to get up and to kiss his student on the head and to say, I accept you. This rabbi turns to him, Rabbi Yohanan Amarlo, Reka, you empty being, you low-life student, Imlo Ra'ita, if you didn't see it, Lo He'emanta, you wouldn't believe it. Milagleg al you are a person who is scornful, who is shameful, who laughs at and makes mockery of the words of the rabbis. Yahav He looks at him. And he turns him into a pile of bones. Now the Gemara has this lashon in many places that they look at someone and turn them into a pile of stones. There's always a, a, a wide-reaching debate with regards to how literal that should be interpreted as, uh, how much that should be interpreted in a literal fashion. Uh, more than anything, you see in that the concept of this ayin hara, you see the wrongful uh, hope and, uh, and, and curse, so to speak, for that student. But more than anything, you have Rabbi Yohanan very negatively reacting. Again, the only way you're going to trust me is if I prove it. The only way you're going to believe in my words and our tradition is if you experience it. You don't have any part of you which is able to take that jump and expect there to be something beyond your simple comprehension. Says the Gemara onward, but wait a second, we have a question on this interpretation. That story may have been very instrumental in describing to us, in portraying for us an apikoros, but wait a second, is it really so? Can the stones be that small? That's the amazing question. The Gemara is going to describe how human beings in the future will be huge, and the rabbis will be seemingly reading that in somewhat of a literal sense. And as a result, can a stone, can an archway, which is only 45 feet high, really be big enough for human beings? It's an amazing, amazing question. The Pasuk describes how in the good times, in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will walk us through standing up tall. Komimiut, koma means tall, but the komimiut with the double name is interpreted as double koma. It'll be the double stature and height. Rabbi Meir Omer, We will be, human beings will be in the future, and Aharita Yamim, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in the best of times with us, will be 200 amot high. I mean, it, it's, it's an amazing, fantastic vision because they're going to be taking this somewhat literally, unless this is not literal and the numbers beforehand were not literal. And just the numbers they're saying is the 30 Amah was not big enough compared to the 200 Amah. If we want to talk about huge numbers, we need to be consistent with our numbers. Either way you slice it, what's the idea of the 200? 200 is a reference to the Gemara Masechet Hagika and Dafyot Bet. The Gemara there describes how initially Adam Harishon's height was, again, and I always interpret this, not literally, so I guess my second interpretation here in the Gemara might be best, it was from this side, from the bottom of the earth to the top of the heavens, that's how tall and that's how far-reaching his strength, energy, and powers were. After he sins, says the Gemara, God minimizes him, God makes him smaller. How so? He turns him into just 100 amah, just 150 feet. Well, says the Gemara, if we're going to be komimiut, a double stature, means we're going to be described as the double Adam Harishon will be 200 Amot, which is an interesting description, which means to say after the sin, Adam Harishon still was a significant height, will be even greater than that in our best of times. Rabbi Uda Omer, Rabbi Uda alternatively suggests it's going to be 100 Amot. 
Me'a'ama, keneged hechal ve'kotalav. It's a parallel to if you add up appropriately, as Rashi takes you through the intricacies of the numbers with regards to the walls and spaces in the Mikdash, in the Mishkan and the Mikdash, well, you'll in turn have a hundred amah, that's going to be the height, she'ne'emar, asher b'enenu keneti'im megudalim bin'urehem benotenu kezaviyot mechutavot, Tavnit hechal. This pasuk seems to describe how our daughters, our children, mechutavot tavnit hechal. They'll somehow be crafted. Their height, in turn, will be the height of the tavnit, the structure of the hechal, meaning the hechal of the mikdash is the vision. All right. Either way, you slice it, a hundred or two hundred, going to be really tall. We're going to be really boundless with regards to height. How are we going to fit through entranceways of thirty amakika amar biohanan? Says the Gemara, "Kika Amar Rabbi Yochanan lekave de bezika." Answers the Gemara. Rabbi Yochanan's statement was with regards specifically to the kave de bezika. Zika means wind. Means the apertures, the openings for the wind. Meaning he wasn't referring to the archways of entrance for walking. He was talking about the windows. So the windows will be thirty amotai with the chiseled in area of twenty by ten. Uh, when we're talking about entranceways for human beings, they'll be even taller. Says the Gemara. Wait a second. We had a pasuk that we mentioned earlier. Pasuk described this a miraculous thing. How egg. Ed- Exiting from the Kodesh HaKodashim, there'll be this river, and the river will have these migdanot, it'll have these sweet-tasting fruits, and it'll additionally have the alim litrufa, it'll have the leaves, which will be therapeutic. Says the Gemara, mai ve'alehu litrufa. What does it mean when the Pasuk describes that the leaves will be therapeutic? So the Gemara is being doresh, this Pasuk, litrufa is lehatir pe. Lehatir pe means to permit, to open up the mouth. Terufa, they're reading it as a compound word. Instead of terufa, just medicine, it's lehatir, to permit, to open, pe, the mouth. B, it's hakbar avudimi v'rav hasta, hadamar lehatir pe shel ma'ala v'hadamar lehatir pe shel mata. There's a mahlokir about whether it's a reference to pe shel ma'ala, meaning the regular mouth. In other words, if there are those who are mute and not able to talk, these leaves will help open their mouth. Alternatively, it's a pe shel mata, it's a reference to the, the uterus of of a woman. A woman will be able to conceive and give birth to children even if she's in akara by eating from these leaves in the future. Each of these descriptions, importantly, are parallel first and foremost to, in my mind, the Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Ta'anit. The Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Ta'anit describes how there are different maftehot, keys, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu holds onto and doesn't give them to human beings. Two of them are the key of rain and the other one is the key of childbirth. Rain is the source of existence, of life, water, uh, childbirth as well, of course, is the continuity. Uh, over here in our Gemara, it's a similar parallel with regard to speech. Speech for human beings is who we are. By the Pasuk describes how Kadosh Baruch Hu breathes into us this ability to have Nishmat Hayim, this soul of life. Unkelus famously translates that as Ruach Memalena. We become a Nefesh Haya, a living soul. It means the ability to speak. Le Malela. Human beings uh, are able to manifest our life 
through speech. We transmit messages of life, we transmit uh, the, the foundations of life through speech. Without speech, we have lost a major part of our humanity. That's the description, first and foremost, of Alim Litrufa of Lahatir Peshil Ma'ala. The second one is easy with regards to childbirth. Of course, that's the continuity of life, which means to say that life is envisioned as burgeoning and blossoming from blossoming from Makom Kodesh Kodashim from Makom Amikdash. Says the Gemara Itmar. Indeed, we have a similar statement. Hiskiyamar Lahatir Peilimin. Hiskiyah's statement is what's Tirufa? It's to open up to permit the mouth of mute people, that's these alim litrufa, bar kapara amar lehatir pe akarot, open up the peshel mata, the lower mouth, quote unquote, of those who are barren. Rabbi Yohanan amar litrufa, mamash, Rabbi Yohanan says, don't read it as lehatir pe, as something that's going to help just speech or birth, it's actual therapeutic, medicinal stuff. Says the Gemara, my tirufa, my litrufa, what sort of medicine are these alim, these, these leaves which are growing on that river from Kodesh HaKodashim going to bring forth? Rabbi Shmuel bar Nahmeni Amar letoar panim shel ba'alei hapeh. Ba'alei hapeh is a reference to Tamidei Hachamim, those who are the owners of mouth, those who are the individuals who continue Torah she ba'al peh. It's going to make beautiful their complexion of face. The continued Gemara, as Maharsha points out, seems to be suggesting, not that they're going to be beautiful in this world, but it's going to bring forth for them a beauty in the world to come. Darash Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Simon, after all, we have a derasha from Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Simon, a person who blackens, darkens their face in this world over Torah, meaning they abstain from the vanities of this world, from the extra unnecessary pleasures of this world. And as a result, they look a little blacker. Alternatively, they're staying up at night and they have the candle lit and it blackens their face because of the soot of it. HaKadosh Baruch Mavhik Zivav Le'olam Haba so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will lighten their face in the world to come. The Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, interestingly, and Rashi says you need to read the Pesukim beforehand. First the Pasuk says, Black as a raven. And then the Pasuk says, Their palate is delicious, meaning they're talking wonderfully. So they have this black inside, and they're talking beautifully. What's the reward for that individual? They're going to be as beautiful as Lebanon. I don't know, people have been to Lebanon. They do say it's beautiful. Um, they're going to be, have a youth and strength like the cedar trees. The description, although in Shir HaShirim we generally understand this as a description of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the derasha here is those who are immersed in the words of Torah, although they look blackened, their future reward reward will be one of light. Says the Gemara, one last line. Says the Gemara, Amar bitanhum kol if a person starves, and not literally stars, it's not literal that you're supposed to be yearning for and, and hoping for more food. It means you don't take pleasure in the unnecessary foods. You are able to be mistapek bamu'at. We know this psychologically. A person's able to focus themselves best when they're not led by the excesses of existence. That's what fast days are supposed to do. Their purpose to focus ourselves. If a person starves, quote unquote, themselves on divret Torah, in this world, Hakadosh Baruch Hu must be all Olam Haba. Hakadosh Baruch Hu will bring forth satiation in the world to come. Shene Emar Yirviyun Mideshen Betech Avnachal Adanecha Tashkem Baruch Adonai Le'Olam. Amen. Be Amen.